and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hi, Terry. Hello, Anita. So the basis of hope is believing that things can change, that things can get better, brighter, easier to live with, that we can and will reconnect with our personal worth and value, that life will feel worth living again. But depression tells us that none of that will happen. And instead, it repeatedly insists that we will always be in its grips, that we are worthless, burdensome, and that no one cares, and nothing that we try will help. And that is why stories like the one you're about to hear are so important. Because the people who share about their real-life, real-world, unpolished mental health journeys know those lies. They also live with those thoughts. But they're literally living proof that hope is real. Today, our guest is Rebecca Lombardo, who we introduced you to last week. This episode is her update on the five years since we last talked with her about her life with bipolar disorder, how her husband of 22 years supports her, and what coping skills help her battle her demons. Here now is Becca giving her voice to depression again. On a day-to-day basis, it can be really hard to notice all the progress we've made, especially when we're still not living the life we'd hoped for or expected. But when we zoom out and gain a wider perspective, that can change. That's what Becca recently experienced when she turned 50 and showed herself some grace with a look back on her 40s. And it just kind of hit me that it had been a full decade since I had been in that horrible hospital and you know I had attempted suicide and you know it was my last time that I had ever done any practice of self-harm in any way you know everything just started to come full circle for me as I'm sitting there realizing all of this wow I I had really accomplished something that hadn't even occurred to me until just that moment And it felt really big and it felt really powerful and like something that I needed to talk about and let other people know that this is something that you can do. Since we first met Becca, that's been her M.O. She's openly shared about her mental health challenges to let others know it's okay and normal to have them. You know, it took me 25 years to find the right doctor, Hmm. but I finally did and you know, I have still have bad days. I'm so I'm always going to have the bad days, but they're shorter. And 
you know, I can I can be rational about them now, where they don't completely destroy my my existence. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can focus on what's wrong and and you know, kind of analyze it a little bit, be more self aware, kind of figure out where I'm going with it, and and not have to rely so much on my husband and calling him and saying, hey, I I need help with this. And that's all part of this growth that I've, I've come to figure out has happened (laughs) for me over the last 10 years. So why do you think it is so hard for us to see our progress and our wins when you know, our failings are so in our face? That's a good question. It's it's just so much easier to, to believe the bad stuff when that's all you've felt. It's all your brain has been telling you for so long. You know, our, our brains are, are wired a little bit differently from everybody else's, those of us that, you know, deal with bipolar disorder or, you know, major depressive disorder or things like that it's just it's it's a it's a non-stop pattern that our brains are telling us that you're not worth it you're not good enough you you can't you can't do the same thing that everybody else can do and you you eventually you hear that so much that it's just the easiest thing to believe becca says those thoughts can convince us that life's good stuff is only available to people who don't battle mental health conditions. The whole other side, being a you know, strong mental person that, that you see on the other side of, of the coin, the people that are successful and happy and healthy and, and you know exercise every day and have beautiful houses and everything, that stuff is hard. We, mm. we can't get to that. Mm. You know, we're stuck where we're at. And I think that that's just the way that our minds are are telling us we can't do it and it's easier to just say you're probably right i can't do it than it is to explore the possibility of failing at trying to get better and yet here you are 10 years later 25 years mm-hmm. into your mental health journey talking about you have not been back to the hospital in that decade right you have not self-harmed, mm-hmm. you have not made another attempt. Those are huge things. Right. And I just recently, I did a, uh, you know, to kind of celebrate things, I put my book, the ebook version, I put it out for, for free for a week. And uh, I managed to get the book to number one in mental illness. Wow. Yeah, on Amazon. Wow. And uh, number number three in memoirs. So that was pretty exciting for me. I would say. You said that 10 years ago, before all those accomplishments, that you misunderstood everything. What did you mean by that? I misunderstood the fact that, this is the biggest one, the fact that people did not want me around, that it would be easier for everyone that for me to just be out of the picture that I was too much of a burden and I couldn't get better on my own and I couldn't get better with doctors. I was too, I, 
I couldn't find a good one that would actually help me or listen to me. And I really just needed to let everybody go and, you know, relieve them of the burden of, of having me around. If you have such thoughts too, and lots of us do, we hope there is some comfort might not be the right word, but deeper understanding that feeling like a burden is a symptom of depression and not a truth. If you feel as if you're a burden to someone else, try talking to them about it. I bet you any money they're going to tell you you're not the burden that you think you are. So it all comes down to positive self-talk and positive communication with the people that love you. You have to keep talking to yourself and saying, no, this isn't this isn't bad. This is I'm not I'm not failing. I'm doing okay. It's going to be all right. And if even if you have to go minute by minute by minute, you do it that way. And you keep the lines of communication open with the people that you love and the people that love you and you you pay attention to what they're saying and you don't just brush it off as them just telling you whatever they need to tell you to get them get you off their backs it's important to keep the positive self-talk and the positive communication open with everybody that you love when becca is reminded of the times she didn't do those things she thinks of where it led and the impact her attempt had on her loved ones especially her husband joe now i i realize like there's times when you know, I'm just, I'm watching TV or I, I hear something on the news or something like that. And it, it takes me back and I'll get emotional about this, but it takes me back to the moment that I was in the, the ER laying on the, the gurney and the doctor is, is, is working on me and Joe was standing next to the gurney and the look on his face, mm. not knowing what was going to happen to me and just knowing in my head how some other people have dealt with suicides or you know accidental death or whatever the case may be um i i'll think about it i'll think god that could have happened to joe that could have been joe that could have been my family and it will hit me out of nowhere just bam right that could have been you, you know, and it, I'll never forget the look on his face and I'll never, ever put it back there again. And while sometimes the knowledge of the heartbreak we'd cause may be the primary thing keeping us from harm, it's also important to want to live for ourselves. Becca also has that on her list of lessons from her 40s. This is where I want to be. This is my life. I, I, I do want to be here for, you know, whatever is my next step, whatever I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I, I want to be able to fulfill whatever that is. You know, it's, it's important to me to be here, even though you have all the painful parts of life and, and that are hard to get through. But I want to be here for all of that. To help her be here, Becca uses a number of different tools and practices, work she has learned is essential 
to managing her bipolar disorder. I wanted it to be, I took the medication and it went away. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of what everybody starts at, that you think, I'm going to take these pills and I'm going to be fine. I also didn't didn't understand all the work that I needed to do personally to figure out what it meant to be stable, mm-hmm. you know, and the self-talk and the, you know, the, the reading and the communicating with other people with the same disorders and learning from other people that I meet and the even like the the online courses that you can take for for free from different um, companies you know like there's uh, sources out there now like um, there's a company called Udemy it's U D E M Y okay. and they they have for for like fifteen dollars you can take courses on mental health or mental illness and you can learn a lot you can you see yourself in in the in the the curriculum but you're you learn how they advise that you treat people with mental health and you kind of think hey that sounds like me and through sharing her experiences managing bipolar disorder becca offers that hey that sounds like me experience to others and when you start getting to a point where you are not only getting positive feedback but you're actually having people tell you that you've helped them in some way mm-hmm. that is really really feeds the you know the the positivity inside you where you learn it's it's okay to to not be ashamed of this anymore i'm glad you have found a community of people who recognize the power of your words and are grateful that you're willing to put them out into the world so other people know they're not the only ones, which is what we're doing. Exactly. So if at 40, you were, among other things, suicidal, at 50, we're here talking about how this last decade has had all kinds of huge milestones and wins for you. If I'm still doing this podcast in 10 years and we talk when you're 60, what would you like to say? What would you like to be different for you? Oh, that's a great question. I think I would like to be able to say that not only has my mental health continued to stabilize, that my physical health would be vastly improved. Uh, I've got some issues going on that, you know, are, are kind of taking away from my quality of health that that weighs you down and it that makes day-to-day life difficult and so then you're kind of trapped with making sure that you're you're not letting your mental health suffer because your physical health is suffering a little bit too um and i would like to be able to say that this I've been able to continue to write and that it's been fulfilling and has continued to help people and just been able to make a dent in in the the stigma that we're all still still facing. You know, I think we've done a good job so far. I'm not seeing it as much as I was, but you know, I might be a little bit sheltered 
you know, I might not see it as much as some people have, but, you know, I think that we still have to do the work and I think that we will. And I think that it'll be great for everybody if we keep on moving. Absolutely. So to anyone listening who is currently where you were before, what can you say from the other side of that whole experience? What I would say is that you have to be patient with yourself. You have to try to learn how to be self-aware. I know it sounds difficult, but if you give it a minute, it doesn't take as much effort as you would think. And you can't just say, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to feel better today and then it may not happen and then you'll feel like a feeling of failure. And that's one thing that you have to get rid of completely is feeling that you're a failure because you haven't gotten to some particular stage in life. It's something that I'm constantly trying to keep away that I'm constantly beating myself up for that I might have failed at something. That's always a very prominent thought in my mind. And I know it is for a lot of people is the feeling of failure. And that's something that you have to work through and you have to try to put, put aside and remember that just taking care of yourself some days is the best that you can do. And that is the best that you can do, you know, and self-care is, is a huge part of life. And if that's all you can do is get up and take a shower and go sit on the couch and watch TV, then that is it. It's absolutely fine. You're taking care of yourself and that's what matters. Anita, I just want to read something from a recent blog post. And Rebecca used to post a lot and then stopped for a while. And now she's starting up again. And this was the first post. Here's a part of it. You have to talk to yourself every single day. You have to learn how to filter out negative thoughts. Be nice to yourself. Listen to how other people talk to each other and gain perspective. Try therapy. Find yourself a good doctor. Don't just settle. Surround yourself with good people that care about you you'll find your way. Just remember that you owe it to yourself to live the best life you can. Mm -hmm. I love that Becca really does emphasize both in her blog and in the interview that there is so much work that needs to be done beyond just taking medication. Right. I think in, in particular for bipolar disorder, it's not unusual for people to know, okay, this is, this is one of those things that I've just got to take meds to, to manage. Mm-hmm. And then they'll stop right there or their mm-hmm. psychiatrist or doctor prescribing the meds won't say, now, this is the beginning of your journey of managing this. And there are so many things that you need to learn, so many skill sets to manage uh, living with depression and living with bipolar disorder. And, you know, there are awesome workbooks and, and things that people can order from, you know, Amazon and other, other sites. But a therapist who has, you know, helped people learn what they need to learn and, and help them experiment to see what exactly works for them is so critically important. 
And I love that she just keeps emphasizing, mm-hmm. you can't just take the pills and then you're done. It's There's so much that you mm-hmm. need to learn. There's, there's, there's so much you have to learn about yourself, about being with others, communicating with them, knowing your warning signs, all the things that we talk about on on the podcast, but they're essential. They're, they're not optional. If you have specific workbooks that you would recommend to save anybody who might be interested from having to, you know, dig through, which, you know, just the research can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, beyond that, like, who wants to buy one that isn't recommended by you? Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if you have, if you have some ideas, um, we can certainly link to them with this episode. Cool. Let me, yeah, let me make a little note and I'll get that to you. Yeah, those workbooks, I I think, are great. You can take them in with your therapist. And for those people who, you know, are, they, can't, they can't access that, you can do, learn a lot and do it on your own. So mm-hmm. I talked to someone just yesterday who was trying to do a workbook and, and realized that on his own, he wasn't, mm-hmm. even though he believes that it would be very helpful for his management mm-hmm. to, to do that. And his idea was that he was going to do a chapter as part of his session with his therapist. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly how I actually usually work with people. <laughs> oh, I think that's just a great yeah. idea because doing it on your own, you know, if we could all concentrate and focus and and be really articulate mm-hmm. about what we're thinking. And be accountable that you'll actually c- keep going through it and not give up. Halfway yeah. Through. yeah, maybe we wouldn't need therapy. <laughs> maybe we'd be managing just fine. <laughs> but, you know, for the rest of us, I think it would be very helpful to do it with a therapist. So that I, I, I actually think for most people, it's helpful to do it with a therapist. Yeah, there you go. So thanks. And thank you uh, to Rebecca and to Joe for last week and for sharing your story with us and hope, which is so important, especially as we head into September, which is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And that will be our focus for the next four weeks. So we will be speaking with attempt survivors and sharing a lot of really important information. But we also want to warn you that some of it might be triggering and to take care of yourselves Mm -hmm. when you listen. Yes. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen.